Good morning. I'm Earl Stewart. I welcome you to Earl Stewart on Cars, a live talk show all about how to buy, lease, maintain, or repair your car without being ripped off by a car dealer. With me in the studio is Nancy Stewart, my wife, co-host, and a strong consumer advocate, especially for our female listeners. We also have Rick Kearney, an expert on how to keep your car running right. I dare you to ask a question that Rick can't answer about the mechanics or electronics of your car. Also with us is my son, Stu Stewart, our LinkedIn side space through Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope. Stu is also the Spymaster Director of our Mystery Shopping Report. He dispatches our secret shopper weekly to an unsuspecting South Florida dealership. And now, on with the show. Good morning, everybody. Your auto team is back on a very chilly morning in South Florida. 38 degrees this morning when I was out checking out the sunrise, and uh, that's pretty chilly for South Florida. We're, we're broadcasting and telecasting all over the world, of course. I have to keep reminding myself this 17 years ago. We were a little old 30-minute uh, radio show, and it was just radio, pure radio. Call in, and that was it. It was pretty exciting, and it still is. We still have the call in. But we're streaming. We're streaming Facebook and Twitter, uh, Periscope, YouTube. Uh, we're we're literally all over. We have a, a nice coverage of the United States, and we shoot out and every now and then to all over the globe, like uh, Bali is my favorite place. <laughs> we actually had a call from Bali. So thank you for joining us on this chilly morning. Probably chilly where you are, too. After all, it is winter, so supposed to be chilly. But we don't get 38 degrees in South Florida very often, so it's something new. I had to search around for a... A black leather jacket that I don't wear very often. And uh, here we are uh, to answer your questions, uh, to hear your comments, uh, to hear your suggestions about how we can improve the show. We have a very unique sort of a venue to come in on. It's called youranonymousfeedback.com. Totally anonymous. Uh, Stu, my son across from the table from me here in the studio is is uh, looking at uh, anonymous feedbacks, I'm guessing, as we speak. Mm-hmm. We seem to get a lot more of those than almost anything else. People like their privacy, their anonymity. And they're usually pretty thoughtful, um, constructive, interesting feedbacks. And you could just do the old-fashioned text. Uh, I can't believe I said old-fashioned text. Text. I can still remember trying to get used to texting. And now it's become part of our lives. So you can text us. It's 772-497-6530. 772-497-6530. Coming up on the new year, hard to believe, 2021. Uh, we've been through a doozy of a 2020. Uh, a uh, change our lives kind of a year. A, a watershed moment is another word they use. The whole world changed this year. Can you believe it? Uh, the pandemic, and uh, we have the light at the end of the tunnel. We have the vaccines coming out. 2021 is going to be a lot better. But it changed everything, and, and, including the auto industry. And uh, that's why we're here. We're here because of the retail auto industry, how you buy a car, lease a car, get your car repaired, maintained, et cetera, et cetera. And that's all changing. It's changing a little bit more sluggishly and the retail auto business, and we can talk about that later as we get into it. Meanwhile, let us try to help you 
with your day-to-day -day thoughts and problems and challenges with your vehicles. Uh, we have Rick Kearney uh, in the studio. I mentioned him in the recorded introduction earlier. Rick Kearney is a certified diagnostic master technician. That's a mouthful. And uh, it just basically means he knows just about everything there is to know about an automobile. If you have a, a squeak or a rattle or even an odor or a, a, a drivability issue, a, a pull, uh, whatever you want to say, you can call Rick on this show. You can use the old-fashioned telephone number, 877-960-9960. That's 877-960-9960. Or Facebook us, YouTube us, Twitter us, Facebook.com forward slash Erlon Cars. Or you can stream us uh, anywhere. You know, you can be in, in uh, uh, Zimbabwe and uh, you can stream us www.streamearloncars.com. Yeah, streamearloncars.com. Ask Rick, why is my, why is my uh, uh, Chevrolet Camaro making this noise? And uh, he can probably answer it for you. A lot of folks don't feel like going into car dealerships or independent repair garages these days because of the pandemic. And uh, depending on what location of the country you are in, uh, you just don't want to go in at all. I mean, it's really scary. So, uh, Rick, it might be able to help you. You know, you can do a quick check. He might be able to tell you something that will either put your mind at ease because it's nothing to worry about, or maybe a fix. We've had people call in that Rick has, has uh, advocated a, a, w a way to fix it. You can send us a video or even an audio file if you really want to get fancy, and uh, we can listen to it and see if we can do a diagnosis. And then we've got uh, Stu Stewart sitting across from me. He's our cyber master. And the most interesting part of our show is our mystery shopping report. It's at the, toward the end of the show where we send out an undercover agent to a car dealership somewhere in South Florida. And uh, we pretend to buy or lease a car. Uh, we name names. It's not anonymous. We go in there. Well, the shopper's anonymous. We, have a, we, we, we don't relate, re reveal their identity. But we name the names of the salespeople, the sales managers, the car dealerships, and we tell you exactly the way this went, went down. Uh, was there transparency? Was the advertisement honest? Uh, was the car advertiser the price you could buy it for? And uh, we tell all the facts and the numbers. And we put them on our EarlOnCars.com website. We have an archive there of shopping reports going way back. Go to EarlOnCars.com and you can see hundreds of car dealerships in Florida that were shopped. And we have a group of dealers that pass the test. We, we grade the mystery shopping report at the end of the show. If they pass, you, know, they, you can buy a car safely from this dealer. But, you know, there's some certain reservations there. Always have to be careful when you're buying a car, but you have to be less careful on a recommended list. But on our do not recommend list, don't even think about buying a car from those dealers because we grade on the curb. And when we fail a dealer, trust me. Some of the, some, some of the ones on the recommended <laughs> list aren't that great. <laughs> so uh, just watch out. Uh, it's kind of like Consumer Reports. You don't have to have the best car recommended from Consumer Reports, but you sure don't want to have the positively do not buy that car. Well, we have the positively do not buy from this dealer list, and we have the other dealers that are just kind of average, or maybe almost, or a little below, or a little above, but we don't have any really 
scary dealers are on the recommended list. The scary dealers are on the do not buy list. So there, there's, there's kind of like what the show's all about. And then Nancy Stewart, uh, my co-host, uh, uh, my, uh, uh, she founded the show with me. We got together and said, let's do a show uh, close to 20 years ago, half an hour. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Had hardly any calls. And uh, we kept going and plugging and trucking. And suddenly it grew to a two-hour show. And here we are. Uh, here we are with a studio of experts. And uh, Nancy Stewart is, uh, uh, I would say, single-handedly, almost, single-handedly built the audience of the female listeners. And we're very proud of that. I know Nancy's very proud of that. And we have a whole bunch of women that call the show. And they're very uh, articulate. Uh, uh, they give a perspective. Let's face it, folks. Men and women are different, right? I mean, this equality is equality, but they're different. And they think differently, and they buy differently, and they constitute the purchasing power of 50% of the planet. In the United States, they buy 50% of the cars, they service 50% of the cars, and they think a little bit differently about the way they buy. And the smart retailers out there are paying attention to this. So, Nancy, let me uh, turn it over to you, and let's hear about that special deal we have for female callers. I will. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I'm so happy this morning. I actually have two new lady callers holding oh. right now. Amazing. You've made me very happy. Uh, and uh, we are building a platform here. And the ladies do help me. Uh, I speak to them throughout the week. And uh, they on Saturday mornings. They're a big part of the show now, as Earl said. So I am going to go straight to uh, Austin, Texas, Ooh. where Jessica has been holding. And Sandra, if you'll hold on, we'll get right to you. Good morning, Jessica. Morning. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Oh, awesome. Welcome. Well, I, wonder, I, I have a, um, a car that uh, I still under warranty, and I want to know what is, uh, and as far as the service department goes, what is the thing I can look for in order to know that a service department is going to treat women well? Um, I'm just not real trustful about service departments. It's a tough one. Oh, I, I was just saying that was that's a tough one because uh, across the entire country, car dealerships are uh, – Number one, there's very few women working in the car dealerships, um, especially in the service department. You'd be hard-pressed to find a, a female service advisor, and then good luck trying to find a female technician. Um, I guess, I mean, that's a really good question. Um, I think maybe just if you look at the, if you can get a, an idea of the overall reputation, the other things they do, um, if they have, I mean, I know online reviews are a little sketchy, but a, a reputable dealership, if they're doing good things or uh, treating consumers right in other areas, I mean, it might be a good indication that they are more uh, friendly or um, to women, but yeah, there's there's really there's um, I'm not sure. Isn't there like a website, an Angie's List, uh, or something like that that identifies these? I think you know one thing you can do is you can go online to the individual dealers' websites, and some dealers will list their staff. Some dealers will have, actually have photographs of the staff, and uh, you can get a feel that way. Uh, if you see a dealership that has uh, 20 salespeople, and they're all men, uh, that'll give you a flavor of maybe what they're thinking. Um, speaking for our dealership, and I say in total transparency, we are car dealers. We own a, a dealership. And uh, 
and we strive to find the female employees, uh, it's, it's difficult because the car dealerships have such a bad reputation, let's face it, uh, a lot of women just say, I don't want to subject myself to that. So it's hard to uh, find women that want to work in the business. But if you don't find a car dealer that's at least trying, because uh, when a woman walks into a car dealership, we found most, most women would prefer to deal, deal with another woman. Uh, and we found something out even more interesting. Many men would prefer to deal with a woman. So they're in high demand, but they're low supply. Uh, check the websites, uh, Jessica, and if you have 20% or so or 25%, that's pretty good. Uh, if you have a dealership with zero women in the, uh, employed there in, in the sales or service area, then I'd be a little dubious that they would be as considerate toward women as they should be. And Jessica, I'll chime in. This is Nancy Stewart. Um, it's a better, uh, well, the 21st century has taught us a whole lot of things. The Boys Club, it's still around. Uh, but number two, there are a lot of options for you to find out what dealership, you know, respects women and just, uh, you know, they come first and they treat them as I said, with respect, but you can find out all that information. Just like Earl said, uh, you know, you can find out about the employees and uh, not only in service, but in sales, uh, all, all the way around. So the environment has definitely changed, uh, but we're still working pretty hard uh, to make it a whole lot better. And you have a lot of options, so take advantage of that, like Earl said. Is there any other questions? Um, no, that, that'll, that's a good start. Oh, great. Appreciate that. Okay. Um, you won yourself $50 this morning, Jessica, and I thank oh, you thank for uh, supporting our cause right here at Earl Stewart on Cars. Thank you so much. Happy holidays. You too. Okay, we're going to go to uh, Sandra. Um, and Sandra is calling us, and she is a first-time caller. She's calling us from Wisconsin. Oh. Good morning, Sandra. Good morning. Welcome to the show. My sister, my sister bought a car from you. She has said so many good things about you, and then she said you actually answer females' questions. Yes, definitely. And, uh, okay, I've got one. I've got a 2004 Ford uh, Lariat pickup truck, and the headlights will not go off. I was driving home, and even with the switch on the side, it does not go off. I had to disconnect the battery. Hmm. Help. <laughs> Is it possible, and I'm, I, you probably checked this already, um, some uh, vehicles are set up to leave the headlights on for 30 seconds a minute after you turn off the car? Like, did you wait long enough to see if there was, if that was set up like that? Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> because I do have the automatic lights on. But then I says, okay, this is strange. And I actually turned the uh, switch, and that didn't work. I started the car and turned the switch off and shut off the car. That didn't work. And finally, I disconnected the battery. When I reconnected the battery the next morning... The headlights were still on. Interesting. You know, uh, Sandra, I think that Rick can yeah. uh, get answer your your question this morning. Uh, he 
I have to hand it to him. There's not a question he can't answer. So uh, I'll give him the mic, and he'll uh, address the issue. Awesome. Well, my first thought would be a switch has shorted, that the switch is, even though it's turned off, the contacts in it may be shorted and keeping them on. Uh, The other thing I would look at is the possibility of the relays that control the headlights, because with automatic headlights, they don't simply have the power going straight to them. That relay system may have shorted out inside, and it could be due to water intrusion or something like that. If you've got a little bit of a water leak, you may not notice anything, but the water can actually follow the electric wires. It'll run right along the wires and get inside the block yeah, where Rick, those relays uh, are. Uh, ballpark, what, a, what would those two issues cost? I know, if it was issue one or the relay or, or the short? If it's, if it's just a switch, a couple hundred bucks. If it's a water leak into that relay system, you know, into the uh, wiring like that, first you'd have to find the water leak, get it repaired. That could be several hundred. And then getting whatever those uh, whatever component has been damaged, again, could be several hundred to a thousand. And you would. Uh, All right. It could get quite uh, expensive. I what I noticed on my way home is um, now I don't think it's water because it was snowing. So there's less chance of that when we don't have the downpours mm. up here that you have in Florida. Mm. But. Yeah. And it was uh, about 30 degrees out. So, but the as I was driving, I noticed there was a pause when I tried to go from high beam to low beam, and then it wouldn't go to low beam at all. Hmm. It just stayed on high. So I had looked in the book, and it said something about the relay, and I went on YouTube and found out where you hide it. So, <laughs> I really try. I live up here in the woods. I better learn something about a vehicle. <laughs> yep, yep. You sound like a do-it-yourself lady. <laughs> uh, you kind of have to be if you live out in the woods. So. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> if, it was, this, if it was a relay, what was the cost? Uh, yeah. The YouTube thing showed uh, the um, handles. On the column there, I'm the lever might yep. be loose, and uh, that's something I'm going to explore today. But uh, I thought, okay, let's see if there's any quick fixes. Otherwise, I'm going to have to bite the bullet and say, okay. <laughs> well, if, if you can get to that switch that's on the steering column, the, the lever that has the switch built into it, and simply unplug the electrical connector... And if the lights go off, then it's the switch. Ah, that is great news. Great news, and right? <laughs> I actually know someone who uh, has been fixing vehicles of mine for a long time. He's kind of a shade tree mechanic, but he drove uh, over the road for a number of years. And uh, so far, he's kept our other equipment going so i will tell him about this and between the two of us maybe we can get this thing so i can shut my eyes once in a while <laughs> sounds good <laughs> hey sandra somehow i can picture you taking the engine apart and putting it back t- 
together again. <laughs> well, I, I, I did try that once, and uh, I had to change a, uh, <laughs> a drivetrain, and uh, I ended up not knowing how to put it back together, so I had levers sticking through the floor, and I usually get some help nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> Well, now you well, got Sandra, $50, they, now you got fifty dollars to go toward repairing your car. I'm sorry. Now you, you got fifty dollars to go to re repairing that switch, or that relay. So uh, you won fifty dollars. Sandra, thanks That's so. awesome. Thanks so much for giving us a call this morning. Uh, you are supporting the platform here that uh, I continuously try to build and uh it uh, has been a great saturday morning because i've had two female callers so uh enjoy your day good luck with your switch and i hope to hear from you again you will now that i found you and uh know where to listen you'll be hearing from me any chance i get oh thank you so much have a great weekend thank you happy holidays oh the same to you happy holidays um, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate your company. You're a big part of the show, and uh, we always take a moment to thank everybody that is part of Earl Stewart on Cars. So uh, give us a call toll-free at 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. And don't forget your anonymousfeedback.com. We so enjoy hearing from anyone at www.youranonymousfeedback.com. Now we're going to go out to uh, Vero, and uh, I believe Bill has been holding. Good morning, Bill. Yes, good morning. Happy holidays to everybody. Thank you. Happy holidays. What can we do for you this morning? Okay, uh, I had more of a etiquette uh, type of question as, as opposed to uh, something particular about the vehicle. Uh, I just want to say I've been a, a fan of the show. I'm a first-time caller, and I just want to thank everyone there, and especially Earl, for your knowledge. I just think it's, it's valuable to consumers, and it's such a help, and uh, really appreciate what you, you do. Thank you're you quite. very much. So my question is this. Thanks. Uh, you're welcome. My question is this, um, you know, listening to the show, I know I need to do my research. So I've done my research, and I've picked out a vehicle for my wife. It's going to be an Acura RDX, and it's going to be a purchase, a 2021 new vehicle. Um, so uh, the only things that I, I know exactly what I want on the vehicle, and I've gone to my local dealer uh, website, and I see that they have the particular car that we wanted. Uh, the only... Um, question we had was the color so i went to the dealership the other day uh with my wife just primarily just to look at the colors available uh so when we got there the we had to wait a while for a salesman so they did send the salesman out and i explained that i'm just really uh in the market for the vehicle but i just wanted to see the available colors they had on this year's model so the uh the gentleman took us around and we looked at some of the cars and uh he, uh, the issue I had with him and my wife did was that he didn't speak English very, very well. It was very hard to understand him. And, um, 
the other question I had was that he didn't seem very knowledgeable. There were some things about the vehicle I asked him about. He didn't quite know very much because I know the RDX has had some issues with brakes. He says, oh, I know nothing about that. So my, my question is this. Um, what would be the proper etiquette to, say, go to a different salesman? How would I handle that? Um, because I know, obviously, salespeople, they, well, that's my customer. I help them. But I spent about a half hour with them. We didn't test drive the car. I just gave them my name. Oh, and let me just say this. I, I have a history with this dealership because uh, they do do the service on my other Acura. So I know some of the people there, but no one in the sales department. So I wanted to ask Earl, um, you know, what, what's the best way to handle that? Or should I not? Should I stick with that particular salesman? And I just wanted to get his opinion on it. Yeah, That's Bill, you, you've hit on one of my... Um, challenges as a dealer the advantage of doing this show mm -hmm. and also being in the business uh you yes. you understand i understand the challenges and you're so right um i am i am struggling to come up with a system where i can match the customer with the salesperson in other words you want to have that uh you want to have that uh, ability to communicate first of all you said earlier that right. you have a difficult difficulty understanding now without any sort of uh, uh, prejudice or political incorrectness. The fact of the matter is, an accented person to some people is more difficult to understand. Uh, that's a challenge, but we're talking about a transaction here of a lot of money, uh, tens of thousands of yes. dollars. That Acura RDX is probably in the what fifty thousand dollar range, and well, a little, little less, but uh, in yeah, range. but it's a lot of money, uh, and you want to have clear communication. Uh, uh, to, the short answer to your question is, speak with a manager, general manager, uh, and, and explain your situation. Nothing uh, the sales manager wants to do more than to sell you a car. So you have the right to tell him, uh, and, and I know you would do it courteously, with respect, say, uh, your salesperson is a very good person and I have a difficulty understanding him. Uh, I also would like somebody with a little more technical knowledge I'd really like to have some that I can clearly communicate with and can answer some of the questions. Uh, sometimes you just have to do that. And I know how you feel. So many people don't want to hurt the salesperson's feelings. They understand the economics of it. That's a potential sale that salesperson may not be paid for. Uh, depending on the car dealership, sometimes they do share commissions to compensate for situations like this. But you're spending too much money to worry about uh, niceties. Uh, it's important that you make your decision accurately with uh, all the information you need. So speak to the general manager or sales manager say, please assign a different salesperson. It's hard for some people to do. And it's easier probably maybe to start that way before you meet the, another salesperson who you have to change from. But uh, mm -hmm. okay, mm -hmm. that's my advice. Very good. Yeah, that was uh, pretty much what I was thinking about as well, but I just thought, you know, uh, it would be uh, prudent to ask you. And, yeah. uh, but I would do it in a sensitive manner and just um, say he's, you know, obviously a good, good salesperson, so not as, as to, um, you know, give him any bad marks or sure. something. 
So, and I didn't spend too much time with them. So, uh, I do agree that um, you know, had I spent the days, weeks with them on the phone doing so, I would have certainly you know continued yeah. with them. But it was the initial thing, and uh, and and uh, and you're right. I'm, I am a you know a degreed engineer, so I am more on a technical person. I like to look at the engine and ask questions and where <laughs> things are and services. So. Uh, he was falling down a little bit on that end, sure. but um, uh, I, I agree with you the difficulty of finding someone or matching someone to the person. But I thank you very much. Like, it was a great suggestion, and uh, have a great 2021 to you and your staff. Thank you. Thank great, you, Bill. Great 2021 you. to you, uh, Marty, and thank you so much for calling, and uh, we hope to hear from thank you me. again. We um, are going to give sure. out that telephone number again, which is 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. And don't forget your anonymousfeedback.com. And we are going to go to West Palm Beach, and uh, Marty has been holding. Thank you for your patience, Marty. Good morning. Hi, how are you? We're well, thank you. What can we do for you this morning? Uh I've got my own theory to this question, but I know you're the experts. Thank you. Why, why doesn't Toyota put memory seats at least in the high-end Camrys? Who? I don't know, but um, they used to, and, and that was, I think, I think they took them out in 2020, um, hmm. and I'm not. There, there was no announcement. No, no, there's no, there's no. I've had 18s, 19s. Really? There's no memory seat in the Camry. And am I being back? Look, it never did. Rick's shaking his head at me. Well, thank God never I'm not a salesperson. <laughs> Avalon's yes, but not the Camrys. I could have sworn that the XLE did, but okay. Nope. No, I've got a 2020 XLE. It's got every option, but no memory seat. Yeah. My theory is they want you to buy the high-end Avalon. Yep. That's right. Well, I mean, Av- Avalon's have memory seats. As a matter of fact, even. The uh, top line tundras have memory can have memory seats. Yeah, that's what and I have. For people yeah. that don't know what a memory seat is, it's a really cool little device. Uh, you set it to your particular dimensions and preferences, and so you, your wife, and I guess you have four different selections, up to four, and you just pop in and hit that button, and you've got your perfect setting every time you're in the car. So I agree with you, uh, Marty. It's something that I think Toyota dropped the ball on. Yeah, I think it's more than that. Yeah. I don't know if it's, if it's the Avalon theory. They sell about three See, Avalons Avalon, a month. The, and even in the Avalon, I've had Avalons, and you had to buy the Limited to get the memory seat. If you got the lower-priced Avalon, you didn't get the memory seat either. Mm-hmm. Yep, you're right. You're right, it's Marty. Probably more of a plot to get people to buy Lexuses. <laughs> and, and, Marty, you know, that, uh, that Camry, what a great car. That's all I ever drove um, yeah. was the it's Camry. beautiful. It's a beautiful riding car. I have no complaints about anything. Right. But the only reason why my wife drives the car, when she drives the car, she's got to move the seat. She usually lets me drive. Usually I just drive that one and she drives her car. Yeah. But the part that I don't like when you take it in for service, the service guy or wherever you go if you're valeting it, they're moving the seat. Exactly. it takes me uh, 20 minutes to get the seat back to where I like it. Now you're talking Earl's language. Yeah. That annoys him terribly. Yeah. yeah. Well, Nancy's five foot three. I'm six foot three, and she puts her car back my car out of the garage. And if I'm gonna try to put the car back in the garage, I can't get in the car. 
I can't even reach the memory seat to push the button. So. Right, right. But that's, I just thought that it's just a ploy on their part because it's got to be cheap to manufacture because Sonatas have it, accurate, uh, Accords have it, so I'm sure Toyota could do it. Yeah, well, I hope they're listening to this show because if a lot of people feel like you, it's cost them sales, and I thank you very much for your input. Yeah, Marty, that okay. was a... A, a great analogy on your part. Um, <clears throat> thank you so much for tuning in to Earl Strode on Cars, and we hope to hear from right. you again. Okay, have a happy new year. Happy new year to you also. The number here is 877-960-9960, and the uh, text is 772-497-6530. And don't forget your anonymous feedback.com. And I'm sure by now Stu is on overload with some text this morning uh, yes we have a quite a bit quite a few coming in but i'm going to start with a text from Anne marie because she has the best questions all right happy new year i hope you can give me an idea on why my 2013 camry isn't getting the highway mileage that it used to normally my camry gets over 30 miles per ga- um, per, ga- uh, per gallon on the highway on 300 plus mile long summer trips with the ac on Yesterday, it was cold by Florida standards, 54 to 39 degrees. I used a defroster and the heater from time to time. I fought very strong headwinds for the 300-plus mile trip. My camera got around 25 miles per hour. Why? Could the headwinds make that much of a difference? Uh, could the winter blend gas affect mileage? I tried to use the cruise control as much as traffic would allow on both trips, um, but both trips were over on, on the, were the same route. My speed wasn't excessive. So her question is, what's going on? Yes, the wind can make a very big difference in your fuel economy. And yes, changes in fuel quality from place to place can have a big effect as well. I didn't know that the wind could have that big effect. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, you ever drive an FJ Cruiser? Remember, remember when we had those? The, they yeah, looked sure. like a Tonka toy? Yeah. Yeah. It was like driving a brick wall down the highway. Are there, are there <laughs> any numbers like that? In other words... Uh, if I'm on this I-95 and I'm going directly into a, let's say, a 20-mile-an-hour headwind uh, on the Camry or a Accord or whatever car you're driving, is are we talking one mile per gallon? I think Anne Marie's talking about five miles per gallon. Yeah. Quite a bit, yeah. Well, yeah. The, part of it, the, the design of the vehicle, how wind-resistant the vehicle is, uh, you know, how sleek yeah. the car is, for cutting through the wind yeah. is going to have a big difference. Um, how hard that wind is blowing and what angle it's hitting your car at, yeah. but also other factors too are going to be involved, such as the the traffic, but also the fuel quality. She spoke of. Here's something that might have been a factor. Right? <coughs> so it would be it was, several things, I think. Yeah, I went down. She's talked about her tire pressure as well. So her tire pressure on the tire, the max is 51 psi. Uh, the recommended is 35, and um, she had them to 38. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe getting it up closer to the tire manufacturer max pressure instead of. But the she's but she's not talking about increasing her fuel economy. She wants to know why it changed. So I'm assuming that she checked. No, she said yeah. she had brought it in for service uh, prior to this trip uh-huh. and um, didn't check the tire pressure. It oh. was lower than she normally keeps it. Oh, that yeah. But it wasn't yeah. dramatically so. Yeah. Um, um, that's definitely Anne Marie, Yeah, I, I think you, uh, I think you stumped us on that one. I. Uh, uh, I think that I think Stu's got the best answer. I think it, the, the tire pressure, if it was much lower, would be more significant than the wind. The wind well, resistance. It's probably a combination of yeah. all those factors yeah. together. Yeah, and of course, the, the colder air makes your tire pressures go lower. 
So that's going to cause a little more rolling resistance, too. Okay, I, all right, so let me ask, this question. Together, I'll ask this question for Anne Marie, because she's probably thinking it right now. Is there anything that could be wrong with the car? I mean, we always hear people complain about gas mileage, and then mm -hmm. we tell them it's the way you drive it, and we tell them it's the tire pressure, and we tell them it's the headwinds, but sometimes it's the car. Is it possible that uh, on this 2013 vehicle, yes. is it possible there's something that we could do diagnostically that would be affecting our gas mileage? There's a possibility that something could, say, a leaking injector or something, um, Worth but a check, isn't it? most cases that would show up as a check. You'd get a check engine light oh. first would be caused by that. You'd, the car would see the problem. I got you. Uh, I'm going to say about 90% of the time the car would see a problem like that and throw a check engine light for it. Yeah. Okay. And Marie, thanks for joining us every single week. And uh, as you can hear, you really got our minds working. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, folks, where can you go for free? information that's what we're doing here to help you the consumer and all our listeners and uh, the faithful that have called us every single week we're going to go to uh oh you know i need to mention before i announce uh this next caller earl's vigilantes i didn't mention that earlier where are the hats where are the hats and <laughs> you called earl's vigilantes <laughs> uh, is something you can sign up for and you can help the uh the, you know the consumers your neighbors in your community and if you consider yourself any type of an auto expert you know i'm not asking you to be able to take an engine apart or anything but um just to answer some some questions and just sign up for Earl's Vigilantes. It's pretty exciting, and we're having a real good time with it. And we got hats and shirts, all kinds of stuff. So go to uh, www.earlsvigilantes.com. And we are going to, boy, we have a lot of phone calls today. We are going to go to Lance in West Palm Beach. Good morning, Lance. Good, mor good morning. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, I have a question. I see a lot. I'm looking to purchase a vehicle, new vehicle, right around that $40,000 range. And I see a lot of commercials. You get five, eight, ten thousand $10,000 back from the, like the manufacturer price. But I think a lot of those you have to finance through the dealership. Um, realistically, is there like a number that you can follow with like a vehicle that costs like forty grand? I mean, I'm kind of thinking, you know, with taxes, it's going to be another three grand. Realistically, if I go in there and say, okay, um, say I just have the cash or I get the money from the bank and I go in and, and out the door, the sticker price is forty grand. Is could I get that vehicle for that or is, could I get more rebate or, or is there a rule that you follow when it comes to these rebates on some of these new vehicles? Well, the best thing to do is to ignore the advertisements and whatever they advertise, just uh, as I say, put no credence in it whatsoever. Every advertised okay. price you see from a car dealer is a lie. And I hate to use that word, it's a strong word, but the car dealers are not telling you the true price. You cannot buy the car for the advertised price. Practically any okay. other product, if you're buying a refrigerator or a loaf of bread, the advertised price is the price you pay. With a car dealer, it is not. So you decide the car you want to buy, you do some research online. Uh, if you want to buy it directly, uh, get at least three out-the-door prices from three different car dealers of the same make. So you're buying a Chevrolet, you go to three Chevrolet dealers for the exact same vehicle, same okay. MSRP, and tell each dealership 
what you're doing. I'm getting my best price out the door. Now, the out the door price is the price you write the check out for and bring it to the salesperson and you get in the car and you drive home. You don't pay anything more on an out the door price. Right. The other two things I recommend are the Costco auto buying program and TrueCar, TrueCar.com. Uh, there are two online okay. buying services that will give you a good price without the hidden fees. So, um, so you said TrueLine. TrueLine is like a website type thing. TrueCar. Yeah, T-R-U-E-C-A-R.com. www.truecar.com. And of course, Costco. Uh, we, I recommend Costco over TrueCar, but they're both good. Um, and uh, you go through their program. If you're not a Costco member, it only costs you sixty bucks to join Costco for a year. You, and that'll be the I've, best. I've 60. heard of that. Yeah, they're the best. Yeah, I've, I've heard of that Costco rebate thing. I've yeah. kind of talked to a few places, but um. Yeah. Okay. Well, I and appreciate the information. That helps because it's been like fifteen years since I bought a new car, and I'm kind of not knowing what to do here, but that gives me a pretty good start. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Lance, you can go to Ron Cars and you can read all about uh, several columns yeah. that he just recently wrote, and that's on True Car and uh, also Costco. And I'll tell you, you can't go wrong with uh, Consumer Report. That's another way to uh, really get what you want. So uh, there's a lot of options out there, and there's nothing like a, consum a knowledgeable consumer because uh, you really have control when you either go into the dealership or uh, you, uh, you know, uh, uh, go to the uh, Internet to, uh, uh, department. So I hope, we could, I hope we helped you. Definitely. You guys did a lot. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank have you, nice Lance. Day. Have a great weekend. Okay, uh, without ado, I think we should get back to Stu. Yeah. Let's get to, not to anonymous feedback. Uh, the first one uh, came in while Marty was talking. Uh, it's pretty funny. It says, I have a suggestion for Marty uh, for a cheap memory seat. A post-it note on the steering wheel that says, hey, put the seat back the way you found it. <laughs> I, don't I, like, I, I don't recommend doing that with your wife, Marty, like but it. when you bring it into the service department, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you're doing your husband. A favor. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, I think that's a, um, a universal uh, issue <laughs> in families. It's an issue at my house, and I have a little car, and if you don't put the seat back the right way, I will slam my head on yeah. the top of the door getting in oh, that car. No. Have you ever gotten a car and pushed the wrong memory button, and it's a one for a midget? And you're six foot three, and you're, a, you're and, slowly, and, and then you're being crushed against the steering wheel. Yeah, and then when you get crushed, you can't move. You can't get out of the now car. You can't reach the can't reach the button anymore. You have to anymore. blow the horn and ask for the paramedics. Well, you don't have to blow the horn because you'll you'll already be blowing the horn because your body is crushed into the steering wheel. I've also gotten in your car, hit the memory seat, and got yours, and thought I was about to take a nap because I laid back so Honest, far. I was practically really flat. honestly, yeah. Rick. <laughs> A lot of cars, the memory seat, when you turn the car off, the seat moves all the way back and down, and the steering wheel moves up out of the way yeah. to make it easier to get in and out. Well, what if you can't reach the ignition because your arms are pinned to your chest yeah. by the steering wheel? Well, when, when I get into a car and I start the car up, and then all of a sudden that seat suddenly comes forwards all the way and way up, and suddenly I'm jammed up against it, and I can't reach the ignition, to, oh. and then I have to try to reach down to the seat to move it back so that I can safely drive you know, the car into the shop. Yeah. Okay. Are <laughs> <laughs> right, you going to enjoy this one? <laughs> Anonymous feedback. Uh, your attacks, this, uh, this is directed towards you. 
Earl. Uh, hmm. Your tax and other dealers and dealer fees are disingenuous. The part you leave out is the fact that dealers' profits are being driven down to nearly nothing from factory pressure and fierce competition. The dealer fees are the only profit they can make. Car dealers are important parts of local economies, and to starve them the way you are trying to do... Um, they didn't finish the sentence. Okay. Uh, at the end of the day, even with dealer fees, consumers are paying less for new and used cars than ever before. Next time you preach, tell the audience the whole story. You know, um, it's so clearly a car dealer that wrote that. Right. And this car dealer is so clearly, uh, I, he's not misinformed, he's just not telling the truth. The facts, are the, the facts are this, and you can Google it, you can check Automotive News, you can check the Wall Street Journal. Car dealers are making more money today than they've ever made. They're making obscene money. The auto manufacturers are making obscene money. Uh, they don't need to lie and cheat and steal to make money. Uh, they think they do, but they don't. And uh, I'm not being disingenuous. I think it's wrong to advertise a car for a price that you won't sell it for. I think it's, I think it's wrong to advertise a loaf of bread or a refrigerator or a TV set for a price you won't sell it for. Right. You, go in the, you go online now and you find any car dealer advertisement for a price, try to buy it for that price, you can't do it. So am I being disingenuous to think that that's the wrong thing to do? And don't give me this crap about car dealers not making money, they're making tons of money. I mean, car dealers are, uh, are I, think it's, I think 2020 will be a record profit year for car dealers. It is with all the dealers. And we the know. year before wasn't too bad either. And, and <coughs> car dealers make a lot of money, so don't give me that crap about we have to lie, cheat, and steal to make a profit. Yeah, now we, we demonstrate that uh, every single week. I yes. do not believe we've gotten an ad price honored. Yeah. And you I think don't normally attack anonymous feedback. I don't like to attack anybody because, but when I see something that I know is clearly disingenuous, you don't believe what you said in that article. And it was too, the way it was worded, I know you're not stupid. You are just dishonest. Okay, there you go. And isn't uh, Carvana uh, that is advertising now uh, no dealer fees, and they talk about other dealers? I just saw this yesterday on TV. Anyone oh, th well, want to I mean, chime in? Well, they're not a dealer, but they are pointing out, I think, that at a dealership, you're likely to get charged a dealer fee. Yeah, and they're just sick of it, and it's not necessary. So I thought that was refreshing, that mm -hmm. it was just brought to the forefront. Yeah, absolutely. You all right now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that really, really, I can't say that word on, on, on the air. Okay, so last week, um, we had a text from Fitz who had an issue with his Mazda 626 and leaking coolant, so he's got an update. Update on the 2000 Mazda 626 with the hairline crack in the coolant tank uh, that was uh, oozing out coolant. Actually, it was two weeks ago when he sent the text. I suggested duct tape, remember? You did, I remember. We all got a chuckle. Um, but he didn't listen to you, thankfully. He said he, he did what Rick said, um, but instead of using flex seal, he used epoxy. The epoxy worked very well with no more oozing of coolant. Good advice from Rick. Oh, wait a minute. I also tried duct tape and Gorilla Tape before I called in. <laughs> oh, that's right. Uh, they both were uh, failures, so there you go. Don't listen to Earl. Listen to Rick. Uh, but the epoxy sure did work. Thanks for the advice, Rick. There you go. <laughs> cool. Glad it worked. Okay. Um, let's see here. Um, this morning, this is a text. Uh, this morning, my tire pressure warning light was on when I started my 2018 RAV4. 
I realize this may be caused by the 38-degree uh, temperature, but how do I know? I really don't want to make a trip to the dealer, although it's your dealership and I know it'll be fun, <laughs> but I don't want to risk a flat. Does the light go off on its own when the weather warms up? You can just get the car driving, right, Rick? The friction to, with the road will make it rise up, and in about 10 miles or 5 miles, you'll see the light will go out. If the light doesn't go out, then you got a problem. First thing I would do is take a walk around the car and just visually inspect all four tires to make yeah. sure that no one of them is sitting super, super low. Exactly. And other than that, yeah, you can just drive the car or just go to your local gas station and air up the tires a little bit. Yeah. Make sure you use a good uh, tire pressure gauge to get an accurate amount in there. So it does go off on its own? It will when they warm up enough. Okay, that's good to know. Because that would be really <coughs> ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, we do have a lot of people in the service department on cold mornings because of that. Yep. Um, and hopefully we're advising them that next time when it happens, give a little time and inspect like you well, suggested. Well, we're, we're also, when they come in for that, the first thing we do is set the tire pressures correctly to where they should be. And so they're perfectly safe that way. Okay, if, you're having an, uh, if you're having that phenomenon in the cold weather, and it happens every year in Florida because we have that swing, uh, then you probably aren't putting enough air in your tires for the whole year. If you, you know, I think the spread that uh, we referred to earlier was like uh, 51 to 35 or 35. That's right. A, well, it could be anywhere yeah. from some, some cars recommend 30 pounds, some 35. Tires can have a maximum pressure, some of them for 35, some of them for 50. Yeah, my point, a very wide range. My point is if you, if you use closer to the maximum, which I recommend, and for certainly for fuel economy, uh, you won't have that swing. I have a question though. Yeah. Does it does it trip the light when it hits a certain PSI for the car, or is it after a certain reduction? Like, like if you had it up at 50 and it dropped down to 45, that's a big reduction, but PSI. it's still within the range. PSI. Well, there's would it trip the light? There's a pressure level that we call the threshold that can be set. Some of them we can reset it ourselves. The mechanics can using a scan tool where you'll set that threshold say at 25 psi maybe at 20 maybe at 26 some cars it's actually so permanently it's a, set at like 20 so it's a number it has to hit it's right not a reduction. And when it goes okay. below that level that's when it turns to light on there we go see i learned something too okay ladies and gentlemen we're going to take a brief uh Dinner oh, <laughs> break. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, we're going to take a, a pause for the uh, Texas, and we're going to go to Howard. Howard's a, a regular caller from Jupiter. Good morning, Howard. Good morning. Happy New Year to you guys. Thank Very you. Nice. Happy New Year. Okay, I have a question for Rick. Uh, concerning tire pressure, <clears throat> is the uh, readout on the uh, uh, in your car... Is it more accurate than using a gauge to, to uh, find out your tire pressure? Uh, a lot of the cars will show you the, t the pressure that those sensors are reading on the display. They're pretty accurate, uh, but I still like a good old-fashioned tire pressure gauge. Just double verify. Okay, next question. Uh, the gauge... I got a pencil gauge, you know, it, uh, it's not the greatest. Uh, I used to have a gauge with a battery in it, and, and uh, I think they're more accurate. Uh, 
So what do you think about uh, these two gauges, uh, the, the pencil gauge or the, uh, the gauge that has a battery in it? Well, at, at the shop, I use uh, the type that has a big digital readout, and the reason for that is those numbers that are about an inch and a half high are much easier for me to see with my old eyes. So uh, I, I like the digital ones. They can be quite accurate and much easier to read. Okay, the only thing, you have to change the battery once in a while, and, the, yep. and the, it's, it's hard to find those batteries. Uh, another question uh, concerning, uh, uh, and, and, well, this is a little caveat for, your, for, your, uh, for the viewers. Uh, when, when you adjust your side view mirrors, you should always adjust it so you don't see the body of the car. Just a little bit out where the body of the car disappears, and that's the best view from mm -hmm. the side view mirror. You mm -hmm. agree with me, uh, Rick? I yep. do. Okay. Okay. Oh, without, next thing. But oh, sorry, yeah. Howard. I, I kind of do this. I don't know if anybody agrees with this. I always try and keep the slightest hint of my, the body of my car. That way, I don't know if it's too far out. If I can slightly see it, then I know I don't have to adjust it. So I know it's it's set properly. Okay. So okay, that that makes sense. Uh, another thing. Um, if you have people that buy cars in Florida, southern Florida, and they don't come with antifreeze in the uh, coolant, in the um, washer, the, um, what happens is that if you go, if you buy a car, uh, let's say um, in September, and for some reason you have to go back up north, uh, what happens is that the uh, the Antifreeze in 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 the window washer freezes, and then you got a big problem. So uh, I suggest anybody that buys a car in Florida and goes back up north in the winter, they have what they have to do is they have to actually uh, get rid of that uh, uh, fluid and and put antifreeze in. And if they, now, Rick, how would you do that? I would just run the washers till the water was out. Or the best way, actually, just let the engine run for a little while, and it'll warm up and melt all the ice back down. I thought you would uh, put a little tube in there and for uh, the suction and, and and drain it out. But uh, okay, that's 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 another thing. Okay, great. Because a, a friend of mine that happened. Is, is any damage caused if that if that tank freezes with the uh, windshield washer fluid? If you had just water in there and it froze completely solid, I can see the possibility of it uh, either building enough pressure to push the pump out of the bottom of the washer jar or cracking the plastic jar. Oh, okay. All right. But I, I think okay, that'd be pretty you. rare. Okay. Very good. Thank you very much. Happy, happy New Year and uh, be well. Thanks, right, Howard. Thanks for joining us. Uh, and I'm glad you're here in Jupiter rather than, well, up in the north end of the uh, country. We're going to go to Paul. Paul has become a regular, a regular caller. He's calling us from Missouri. Hi, Paul. Hello. How are you doing? We're great. Good. Good. Uh, I got my I got my camera. Oh, good. Ago, and. Uh, I'm calling with a question that I don't really want to ask because I don't want to have the problem. But uh, I think this will be for Rick. Uh, my Android Auto 
is switching on and off constantly, and I don't know what to do about it. Uh, make sure that your phone has been updated to its latest settings, and then if it's still giving you issues, stop in at the dealership and ask them if there's a software update for your car. The radio software okay. updates come out anymore, like almost every three months, it seems like there's a new update for the software on the radio. Is that something that you have to pay for? If you're under warranty, no. Okay. All right. I might take it up there today and see. Uh, I got a really good deal on it. I feel good about it. Right. And, uh, and if, you, if, you're, up. if your car happens to be out of warranty, most places they'd probably do it for around 40 to $50 for the update. Okay. Paul, All if right. you want to give us the I'll, name of the dealer you bought the... Uh, uh, Toyota Camry from in Missouri. Uh, give them a little plug for any people listening out there. Yeah, it was Code Toyota in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Okay, well, thank you very much. And uh, you folks in that area, if you want an honest deal, Paul got one, and maybe you will too. It's always nice to know word of mouth is a powerful uh, form of information, and uh, yes. we'll spread the word for. Uh, give us that name one more time. It was Code C O A D Toyota, and uh, it was a lady salesman and a lady uh, finance manager that I dealt with, and they were both wonderful. Thank you very much. I did. I didn't feel under pressure with anything. Tammy Halls was a salesman, and Alicia was the uh, was a finance lady, and oh. they were they were awesome. Well, congratulations! I was in and out within a couple hours. Thank you very much. I probably <laughs> live in the car now. <laughs> so happy for you, Paul. Yeah. Thanks for yeah, being a, a regular it, caller. If my, yeah, if my wife kicks me out today, I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> I can live in my car. We'll, Thank we'll see you all later. Have a happy new year to you. Happy Thank new year, you. Paul. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget you can still sign up for Earl's Vigilantes. Earl's Vigilantes, if you're tired of the, the car dealers and their dishonesty, um, you can uh, easily sign up and you can help some of the consumers in your community. So it's www.earlsvigilantes.com. Uh, we are going to go to, whoops, okay, we're going to go back to Stu. I'm hogging all the attention. You got any messages over there from from YouTube? I've actually got a couple. Uh, right now, I've got two of them that actually kind of fit together. Old Man J Motoring is asking, says, Good morning. How much of an effect is using regular gas on a car such as a Lexus NX300 that calls for premium fuel? Is it bad? And as a matter of uh, uh, combination with that, Robert Prophet says, has someone seen what would happen to a new Camry if they started to use 88-octane gas, like performance, miles per gallon, and so on? If, you, if your car calls for regular unleaded fuel, you should use the 87-octane fuel. If it calls for premium, you definitely should use the premium fuel if you can. Using the lower-octane fuel in a car that calls for premium is going to cause pre-ignition or spark knock and the computer is immediately going to pick up on that and it's going to retard the timing way Can back. I say something? Uh, I thought we had a different answer last time we talked about this. I thought that, there, first of all, there's a nuance of, a, of, there's a recommendation 
and are required. Some manufacturers require high test. Some manufacturers recommend high test. Uh, if you if you recommend high test and not require, I thought we agreed you could try a tank. Yes. And if you don't feel any performance, if you don't hear anything, if the car is still running the way it did before, keep on using it. And if it, if it doesn't ever bother you and there's no performance issue, save yourself a lot of money and go against the recommendation. Right. Uh, on the recommended, yeah. I would have no issues with keeping it at 87 octane. Yeah, but it's easy to mistake recommend for require. Ah. And I don't like the very, new ones. Very there. correct. Yeah. So yeah, I, if it's required, I would stick with the premium. Yeah. But if it's only recommended, use that 87 octane and I, you'll be just now, fine. I will say this. I have a, uh, a Lexus that requires high test, and I don't pay any attention to it. And I've noticed no... Uh, I usually use high test, uh, but sometimes they're out of high test, and I put in regular, and when I do, I don't get any uh, noticeable difference in performance. So if I continue to use the regular, I probably would, but I don't continue. Right. But it, the other thing is you won't notice it because the computer is going to make those adjustments yeah. before you even realize it's happening. Well, then why do I want to put in the uh, high test and pay all that money? Because it will have an effect on your fuel economy over time, uh -huh. and you're going to lose a bit that way. Am I going to lose a bit that will offset the savings I get by using a regular? No, it wouldn't. Okay. But it could have detrimental wear on the engine over time. Uh -huh. okay. Yeah. okay. And the other one I've got here is Helen Lasky. says, what are your feelings on having the tires rotated every oil change? I read an article and it said it isn't necessary unless there's pronounced wear on the tires. Uh, my opinion, if you've already gotten bad wear patterns starting on the tires, you're not going to correct it by rotating the tires. Once they've started wearing oddly, you're going to wind up with those tires just continuing that way and they're going to wear out a lot faster. Rotating the tires front to back, which is what most manufacturers recommend, keeps the pattern from developing. It keeps it from causing a bad wear pattern on the tires. Okay, let, let me jump in on that too. Uh, tire wear is a function of mileage, not time. Oil change is a function of both. Mm -hmm. So if, if you're driving two or three thousand miles a year, as we have some, uh, some people that drive two or three, you still want to change your oil. I mean, you still want to change your oil every 12 months. Oh, yes. But if you're only putting 2,000 miles on your car, why would you rotate and balance the tires? Well, I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend the balance. Yeah. The rotation, I would simply stick with a 5,000-mile uh, cycle on it. Okay, 5,000. So, so, so 2,000. Right. If, yeah. if, you're doing, yeah. if you need to do the oil changes a little more often, that's, that's you know, her, part her, of the... Her question was uh, oil change, and if you want to buy... if you. If you, you, you have to change your oil every year, if it's synthetic oil, even if you don't drive the car. Right. So if you don't drive the car and you change your oil, there's no sense in rotating or balancing your tires because you didn't drive the car. So it's a, Well, I, I was kind of uh, hitting on the part where she said she read an article that said it isn't necessary unless there's pronounced wear on the tires. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's my concern. That's is, not true. You're right. Right. If you've already got a bad wear pattern started it's too late. That's yeah. why you should rotate the tires at an even cycle of, say, every 5,000 miles. Uh -huh. 
Not when you change your oil. No, not necessarily no. in every oil change. Yeah. Okay, let's move right along here. Got a text. You guys have talked about dog safety restraints before. Why oh why would these why wouldn't these be made mandatory for dogs and cars just like it is for humans? If the powers that be don't care about the safety of dogs, they should at least care about the danger to humans when a sixty pound pit bull turns into a flying missile in a collision. Well, the same thing would apply for a, a, a Scottish Terrier. You, know, you don't want a missile. I don't know. I'd, I'd rather be hit with a Scottish Terrier than a pit bull. Cause uh, I guess you're right. Yeah. <laughs> it depends on what end hits you. Yeah. I'll tell you, the fact of the matter is, uh, as people, as the marketers of the world, the, uh, the, uh, the retailers of the world, understand how much people love dogs, uh, I think they need to, even if they don't like dogs, they should realize that if they want to sell more cars, they should provide safety restraints for dogs. Because Absolutely. people love their dogs more than they love uh, other people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I could see even a manufacturer just doing it as an option. Um, yeah. As a test, you'd, they'd gauge the interest in it, and I bet yeah. you millions of people across the country would, would choose that option. To I wonder how many cars Subaru sold extra because of their really cool yeah. car commercials with doggies. Yep. Yeah, and, and dogs are... are you know, they're, they're part of our lives now. They're, yeah, big uh, time now. What do you do with Oreo? Um, Oreo, just uh, she sits in the seat. Um, we don't have a, a, a restraint. Yeah, she didn't drive around in the car that often, though. Just should lead to a, a vet trip down the road. Though. Is, is she in the back seat? Uh, no, she sits in the front seat. Oh, does she? Yeah. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> She's very small. <laughs> I wouldn't mind getting hit with her in a collision. She'd just bounce right off me. <laughs> um, more anonymous feedback. A uh, local TV station has an excellent article about odometer rollbacks from Carfax. Here are the facts. 1.8 million cars are on the road with rolled-back odometers. 450,000 are sold each year with rolled-back odometers. For $200, the tool can be purchased on eBay and Amazon. Uh, legitimately use, uh, is for use in repairing the vehicle, um, vehicle instrument cl clusters. The Minnesota Attorney General's website has an excellent article with the Minnesota uh, car laws covering the sale of vehicles in Minnesota, and they just thought that would be a nice topic. But that is definitely a danger out there. Um, we look at vehicle history reports like Carfax and AutoCheck, and we hope that the information is accurate and up-to-date. Um, it's the best that you can get, but it's not always up-to-date. And certainly if there's people out there... Um, Using uh, you know special equipment, you know Rick's tools to roll back an odometer. Um, that's I, not a I didn't thing. think it was possible to roll back an odometer. Uh, I thought that uh, they, they said you can buy this on Amazon. I remember reading that anonymous feedback, and I never completed my task. I was going to do that to see if I could find something on Amazon that would allow me to roll back an odometer. I don't. I don't believe. Uh, if someone wants to do that, I'll search when we uh, when yeah. we get off some of these. Uh, some of these texts. I, uh, yeah. It's uh, it's it's a major thing to be able to reset odometer. I mean, can 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 the, any the, anybody do that now? I didn't think so. I think it would require some special equipment because I know I can't do it. I don't have any equipment yeah. that none of my tools would allow me to change the odometer on a car yeah. except to physically change it out for a different one. Yeah, I'd be amazed if you could buy that on Amazon, but we'll find out. Okay. Uh, there's some stuff out there, but I don't know if it's legitimate or not, so we'll look yeah. into it a little bit further. Okay, back to anonymous feedback. Uh, Earl, you could probably get away doing a mystery shopping report if you go far away enough from home, 
so you don't get recognized. Uh, maybe after this pandemic, you could fly to Seattle or somewhere and do your own. <laughs> I would feel very sorry for any salespeople who winds up with you. <laughs> you know, I do online uh, a lot. I do a lot of online, uh, which doesn't doesn't give me the uh, gratification I'd get if I did it myself. I thought about that. Uh, going, I really have to get out of Florida because I am infamous uh, in Florida. Yeah. You notice I said Seattle's infamous, a great idea. not famous. And uh, too many. It's a you know, it's just a small community and. Uh, too often, even our own mystery shoppers get busted because salespeople move around. And uh, I would hate to drive all the way to Tallahassee and find out uh, one of my old salesmen was working in the dealership. Said, yeah. well, watch out. No, no, Here no. comes Earl. <laughs> I think Seattle is an excellent choice. And, uh, and I anticipate you probably will be traveling once it's safe to do it again. So uh, yeah. you should have your, uh, your travel list uh, start be, that right I'd now. I'd love to do that. That's, that'd be a lot of fun. All right. Okay, um, here's a text uh, from Daniel G. and PBG. And for our out-of-state listeners, that's Palm Beach Gardens. Um, if I call a dealership ahead of time for a price, don't they have to honor it when I arrive? If they try to raise the price or add a bunch of extras, that would be lying to a consumer and therefore illegal. What am I missing? You're missing getting it in writing, and uh, I can't say that often enough. Any conversation, promises, prices that you get with a car dealership, have them an email or at least text, uh, ideally, uh, you know, a contract, but you're not going to get that. So uh, if you're dealing online and you're trying to get an out-the-door price, you should have an email from that salesperson saying that you can buy this Honda Accord out-the-door, uh, plus government fees only or just out-the-door period, including all fees, for this price. And you have that in an email, they're pretty much stuck. I mean... It might not be a legal document, but if they refuse to honor that, uh, the the uh, uh, ruckus that could be raised by you with the media and with the manufacturer and with the general manager of the dealership, they're not going to screw around with you. Get it in an email and writing, but if they tell you online, um, if, they, if they do it verbally by phone, they're just going to say, you misunderstood me. That's right. I, I like that ruckus. Ruckus. Going to create a ruckus. <laughs> I, I like brouhaha. Unfortunately, uh, it's not illegal to ruckus. lie to a consumer. <laughs> it's okay. morally illegal, but it's not legally illegal. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, give us a call toll-free at 877-960-9960. Or you can text us at 772-497-6530. And don't forget your anonymousfeedback.com. Uh, now we are going to go back to Stu. Okay, jump over to anonymous. I'm, I'm alternating anonymous feedback text. No. Okay. Um, Excuse well, this me. is going to be fun. Do you have a call coming in? We, oh. <laughs> we, we have a call, and he is a regular caller from Palm City. Good morning, John. Good morning, and happy holidays to everyone. Oh, thank you so uh, much. China has its own electric car. Very few people are aware of it. Mm -hmm. It's called a, it's from the, it's called a K27. It's from the Candy Corporation, which is traded on NASDAQ. That's a company that was founded in 2002, and it was listed on NASDAQ in 2006. I have no idea how good the stock is doing, but this automobile that they have, it goes for 59 miles on one charge. It has a top speed of 68 miles per hour, and they want to bring it into the United States at a cost around $27,000. So I don't think that much of it 
but it's an attempt, another attempt of a country that makes its own EV car. And the company that I want to talk about now, its potential is beyond belief, and people don't even know they're making it. They've been working on it for seven years, Apple Corporation. They're coming out with a fully electric, around 24, 25, fully electric car, and they also want to claim that it's self-driving. So people keep talking about Tesla, but there's going to be other people sitting out there waiting in the in the dark and you will know everything that apple comes out is usually 100 percent successful by the way the uh the tesla that's made in china has a lot of recalls problems nothing major but they're safety recalls uh mostly loose bolts and other things that you don't read about but tesla's having their own problems and in china it's uh recalls but not so bad on safety that anybody got hurt or killed. But it's a big problem with these, like I say, loose bolts in the car that's manufactured there. It's funny how they don't do so well in China. General Motors sells more electric cars in China than Tesla. And uh, I, think the, I think the Chinese are real sticklers for quality. You know, Consumer Reports uh, finally, uh, gave a, uh, again, gave a do not recommend on Tesla, on the, was it one of the latest models, and uh, so their quality leaves something to be desired when it comes to little stuff. But the, you know the Chinese, uh, you know, they consider the General Motors uh, electric cars better than Teslas. What more have you been reading about the Apple car? Have you heard anything further on it? Full no, electric? No, I'm, I'm like you, uh, Apple. Uh, you know, Tim Cook and that company. Uh, they have all the money in the world. They have, uh, you know, they have uh, more cash available than most countries, and uh, that's what it takes. Uh, they have the software, they have the talent, and they can do anything they want. It's not a car; it's a computer, and they they're real good at computers and software. And if I had to bet on who would be the number one seller of vehicles if they really put their mind to it, I'd say Apple. Yeah. I've been reading, John, the same thing you've been reading. Um, I did hear that you know, they're going to probably partner with a, a manufacturer. They'll design it and then give the specs to, like they do with the iPhone, they don't manufacture it. And that Tesla is in consideration, Volkswagen's in consideration, and there's a German co- uh, company, I can't remember the name, that they're thinking about. Oh, here's a, here, John, you'll love this. Uh, uh, I, uh, Elon Musk in 2018 called Tim Cook and asked <laughs> Apple to buy Tesla. And uh, Elon Musk, this is fact, this isn't rumor, Elon Musk was running out of cash. He had about two weeks of cash left. He thought he was going down. And he called Tim Cook to sell his company, Tesla, to Apple. Tim Cook wouldn't take the phone call. <laughs> wouldn't talk to him. <laughs> So uh, it's interesting. I mean, this whole thing is like a novel. It's exciting. Uh, uh, all the players. I mean, Tim Cook, Elon Musk. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I just I just love uh, reading the news every day. By the way, the number one selling American car in China is Buick. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They sell more, the they sell more Buicks that. in China than they do in the United States. You remember the model when better automobiles are built, Buick will build them. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, All right. We're looking forward to the shopping report. Thank you, John. Thanks. Thanks, John. 
877-960-9960. Or you can text us at 772-497-6530. Okay. Uh, Rick, do you have anything for us? We're caught up at the moment. Okay, we'll go back to Stu. We have some anonymous feedback, and uh, oh boy, are they lucky that they're anonymous. <laughs> Uh-oh. Here we, here we go. Do you have any idea how irritating it is to hear you go on about women's issues? This isn't the 1950s. Stop acting like a feminazi. Well, you know, it's, yeah. well that's interesting. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like that. Uh, this uh, person, uh, obviously... Uh, well, let me see how I can put it oh, delicately. That, that, yeah. You're not Rush living Rim. in that the 21st century, and there about, is yeah. still uh, that, uh, that that environment out there, and we still need protected. And that's the reason. Uh, is that directed at me? I have no idea. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, uh, a little bit of help from everyone is uh, really very necessary. This is the 21st century. Um, in the uh, auto industry, we haven't exactly, well, attained uh, this perfection uh, that we should. And to your remark about the 50s, there are days when it seems like as if it is the 50s. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be surprised. I, it, it's definitely Rush Limbaugh. Definitely, he's. Well, he, you know, we're, we're competing yeah, with yeah, him. Yeah. He's our comp- competition. Yeah. He's checking out the competition. Yeah, yeah. I think we hit a nerve there. Sorry, Rush. <laughs> well, Rush just retired, by the way. He's uh, oh. he's off the radio. Oh, okay. Very old. He's very old. Oh, no, sorry. And you know, I, I tell you what, I got a lot of respect for Rush Limbaugh in the fact that he's a performer. I never believed uh, uh, in his what he had to say, but I, I the, he was a radio pro. He was a. Uh, he was a money-making machine, number Very, one talk show. I mean, yeah. that's what we are here. We're a talk show. He's the number one talk show in the world, and the advertising and the revenues and the products he sold, uh, he was a great entertainer. So yeah. uh, I'm going to miss him. I, I Every now and then I'd tune in for a little while. Because uh, he was entertaining. Yeah, very talented, very educated, and I too will miss him. Uh, I haven't had the chance to really tune in to him uh, with our new normal, uh, but he definitely has retired. God bless him. He's in his fourth Plus stage of it. lung cancer. Oh, yes, yes. So, uh, Stu, what's the next text? That's the complete opposite of the last uh, anonymous feedback. Oh, boy. <laughs> what did you do for Christmas dinner? <laughs> Oh, well, we ate a ham and drank a bottle of wine. There you go. <laughs> Anything else? It was oh, just Christmas a... Eve dinner. Ask ask about Christmas Eve dinner. I'm sorry, they didn't. Ask wow, about did that. we have a Christmas Eve dinner? <laughs> it was fabulosa. We had homemade lasagna by my daughter Honey who dropped ham it off, and the wine that uh, Ted gave us. Uh, how nice is that? Yeah. All right. Um, isn't it true? This is anonymous. Isn't it true that if you return a newly purchased vehicle within 48 hours, uh, the dealer to the dealer, they're required to accept the return and issue a full refund? I believe this is the law in Florida. No. Not the law. Positively not the law. And be very careful. When you take that car over the curb, you own it. And when you sign the papers, actually you own it. But if you really want to cement the deal, you take legal delivery of that car you take possession of it, uh, you're not bringing that car back. And too many people believe, there's another uh, urban legend, the 72-day uh, rescission, 72-hour, uh, there's a, a home solicitation issue bill 
that if you buy something and people knock on your door and sell you, back in the day they sold encyclopedias to protect people against encyclopedia salesmen and fuller brush salesmen, that's going way back. They have this law that says if they trick you and they trick you in your home, you can return the product within 72 hours. That doesn't exist for automobiles. There is no right. Once you sign and drive the car home, you own it, and the car dealers will not will not take it back. Mm -mm. They will not take it back. That car can have no miles on it. Uh, you could you, you could put it on a truck, a carrier, and you take could it wrap it home. in plastic. Yeah, protect it from the they elements. Will, they're they're trying to figure a way to get you to take that car home. So never accept delivery of a car. Never drive the car home until you're absolutely 100% sure. The car is exactly what you want, the price is exactly what you thought you paid, and that you have no scratches, no dings, no dents. Mm -hmm. Everything's got to be perfect, folks, because when you take it home, forget about it. Now, when you're shopping for a car, you're going to see car dealers that are going to say that they have a return policy. Yeah. you got to read the details there, yeah. because it's so limited. They'll say, sometimes it's so vague, must be returned in the identical Fine condition. Print. Print. It's, it's definitely uh, a mileage thing, yeah. So yeah. it's uh, three days, five days, and then you read the fine print. So uh, believe me, there is a lot of ways that you're not going to qualify on a return. Exchange policy is BS. All that means is you pay fifty thousand dollars for a car, and you can exchange it for another car. Chances are, when you exchange it, you'll end up paying more profit to the deal that you did on the car that you bought in the first place. That's right. All right, Robbie in Stewart, who is a longtime listener, sent us a text. It was a link to an article, um, and I hadn't seen this, um, uh, in the Wall Street Journal. And it says, Japan uh, says it plans to stop the sale of uh, new gasoline-powered cars by the mid-2030s, bucking criticism from to Toyota, uh, who said that a rapid shift to electric vehicles would cripple the car industry. And I've heard that about in, in um, California, um, and I think um, the United Kingdom has made a similar pledge, and apparently Japan is following uh, along with that. Have you read it? Did you read that article yes. today? Yes. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's uh, it's happening. I mean, uh, you know, can we believe, can, uh, 20 years ago, could you believe that the combustion engine would be obsolete and it'll be in our 30, lifetime? Yeah, and it's, uh, years. You're just not going to be able, you're just not going to be able to buy a car except for an antique or, a, uh, you know, a, collector's item or something like that, you won't see any combustion engines on the roads very soon. Yeah, it's amazing. Okay, jumping back over to anonymous feedback. Uh, new car smell. I cannot fathom how people consider this pleasant. How can the odor of outgassing chemicals be enjoyed? I don't, want to, I don't want to even get into the fact that these chemicals probably are carcinogenic. Come to think of it, can you tell me if these are cancer-causing? Cancer I, they're not good for you, and uh, it's psychological. I mean, uh, over years and years and years, you got in the new car and it smelled a certain way. Uh, uh, you know, it's just you associated it, it with. Happiness. Yeah, you don't smell with your nose, and you don't taste with your mouth. You smell and you taste with your brain. So your brain says, "Oh, that's a new car," and that's the way new cars smell. So the next time you smell something like that, you say, "Ooh." Pleasant feeling. Right. Your brain smells the car. Yeah, it's, it's like your how mind. I, your mind should tell you that the smell's bad for you, but it doesn't. I just can't believe people actually buy mm -hmm. uh, spray cans to make their cars smell mm -hmm. like that. I've had some girlfriends like that that were bad for me, but all right, but they just smell good. good memories. 
That was the dumbest thing I ever said on the radio. Yeah. And look at Nancy. She look at her. I, I got a better example. <laughs> the the smell of that big cheeseburger. It's Jason. terrible for you, yeah, but, you right. but you'll love it. Yeah. So that's, that's okay. Better analogy. Okay. Uh, here's a text from Janice in Hollywood, Florida. Um, at what point should someone consider getting a new car? I have a six-year-old Buick Enclave, and I have had a few costly repairs. It's out of warranty, uh, including several big air conditioning repairs. Any advice will be appreciated. My, my advice is don't buy a new car. A uh, uh, used car is a far better value if you do your homework. You buy a late model, two- or three-year-old car, certified, maybe some factory warranty on it. Uh, check it out with Consumer Reports. Uh, negotiate uh, with three different dealers. Uh, at least, and, and get a good price, you're saving yourself a ton of money in depreciation. As simple as that. I, I a late model used car is a far better value than a new car. I think that her the question was like, at what point should she give up on her car? I mean, getting a different car because she's putting money into her Buick Enclave. Oh, okay. Well, and want to know when she should get out of that. Is well, point? it's an economic. You know, yeah. I think she answered her own question. It's an, e it's an economic thing. I mean, your if your repairs are getting to the point where they're exceeding the value of your car. Or approaching the value of your car, uh, we use a rule of thumb less than 50%. If you hit 50% of cost to repair a car, you shouldn't repair it, you should buy another one. But I wouldn't buy a new car, I'd buy a late model used. Okay. All right. This is the last anonymous feedback that we got. Um, I remember watching TV shows uh, where cars had nitro boosts uh, when, they, that they, when they switched it on, the car would go into hyperdrive. Urban myth. Uh, do nitro boosts really exist? Rick? <laughs> yes. Have but only for certain cars that have been modified uh, so that they can handle having nitrous injected into them. It's usually uh, what they call the, the modder kits, um, street racers and that, uh, cars that are going to be run on the drag strip. What, what is nitrous? Nitrous oxide is... Well, nitrous oxide. Yes. Laughing gas. Same same thing as the dentist uses for your, uh, for basically okay. to put you under. But what it does is an oxidizer that is sprayed into the engine oh. in order to give it much more power. But at the same time, it's also extremely detrimental to the health of the engine, uh -huh. wears it out rather quickly, and if done incorrectly, can blow up and blow the entire car up so, so for, mainly for race cars like dragsters and things yes. like that yeah yeah not for street street driving no no okay uh this kind of tags on uh we have a, a question on facebook from steve and uh we were talking about the return uh, policy and whether or not you really do have 40 hours to to turn your return <coughs> the car he wanted to know if there was an attorney review period in an auto purchase contract uh no no you uh, you when you sign an auto purchase contract uh, you are signing an arbitration agreement. You're signing uh, the uh, fact that you will not have your day in court, that you cannot sue that car dealership. Almost every car dealer I know has that arbitration clause in their install in their re in their retail purchase order, their vehicle purchase order. So you have you have forfeited your right for any legal action except through the arbitration. And as you probably know, arbitration leans toward the business and not the consumer because the arbitrator is a regular customer. I mean, the, 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 the business is a regular customer of arbitration panels. 
customers only use them once in their lifetime and probably don't even use it once. So if you're a business and you do a lot of business with arbitration people, they're going to lean toward you in their decision process. That's been a proven fact. Okay. Um, Robbie, who sent us the article on, on the uh, Carfax and the Odama rollback, sent another text. That's a great question. Um, if a car is totaled when in an accident, if it costs too much to repair, does the same apply for repairs to keep it running? Uh, I read something on that recently, and I think the answer is no. Uh, if you have, uh, a, in fact, I'm sure I read that. The, uh, uh, if you have, and it depends on the state, uh, there, Texas is a good example. Texas is always a good example. In Texas, you can have a terrible situation with your car, mechanically or collision-wise, and unless it's a total, meaning 100%, you can, you don't have to show that on the title. You can, you can, they, they will sell you the car in Texas with a clean title, even though it's 90% uh, destroyed mechanically or any other way. Um, as far as the mechanical cost, I don't believe uh, it, it's applicable. It's only the collision that's legally applicable. Stu is Googling this as we speak. <laughs> so uh, tell me if I'm right. You're right. Earl against Google. No, you're right. I'm you're, right. And you're faster than Google. It's pretty impressive. Yes, I am. <laughs> okay. Um, Jumping over here, we had a couple of more anonymous feedbacks pop in. Uh, when a car dealer offers employee pricing, how can one verify this? I guess they I mean, how do you find out if it really is what their employees are paying? Well, that's a great question. Uh, the mystery shopping report today, coming up very shortly, has to do with employee pricing and uh, who's employees and are they telling you the truth? It goes all back to the fact that how do you tell when a car dealer is lying? That's when his lips are moving. He's so, advertising. So, yeah, if he's advertised, he's lying. Uh, there are employee purchase plans by manufacturers that are good. General Motors, uh, Chrysler, uh, has Toyota ever done that? No, Toyota. No. Uh, but certain manufacturers do have uh, purchase programs uh, for their employees and retired employees. So if you're a GM employee, you have a right as a, as a former retired employee to buy a car from General Motors at an employee price, that's a really good price. Probably, and I think, I'm not even sure whether they allow the dealer to add the dealer fee or not, but that's another story. Uh, so employee price is only as good as what they make the employee price. Employee price could be for the car dealership employees, and most car dealers screw their employees when they sell them a car. So, uh, you know, they add and charge dealer fees. Right, that's and that's a little secret a they don't talk about. Yeah, they don't it's, talk about that's it. Not, employee pricing isn't always a good thing. Yeah, and so so <laughs> uh, employee price, uh, make them demonstrate to you exactly what it is, and still shop and compare that price. Yeah. Because I don't believe anything a car dealer says. Right. We could have shortened that entire answer by just saying, don't believe the advertising. Don't believe anything. Yeah. <laughs> but then we wouldn't have a show. Exactly. We yeah. could just have a message on the screen. Compare three prices, don't believe advertising. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, this is also, just like Rush Limbaugh, this is also entertainment yes, as well. Right. It's infotainment. That's right. <laughs> All right, this is the last one that came in, and uh, it's, it's kind of funny. In your experience, and they're talking about you, in your experience, what area in the country is the dirtiest, nastiest car dealership-wise? It ain't even close. 
It's right here, baby. Dodge <laughs> City. We're right. South Florida. South southeast Florida actually, more so than southwest Florida. Right. And this is the the smoking gun. This is Dodge City. And it's just absolutely terrible. It is. Yeah. It's, it's just because there's so many car dealerships, such high volume. It's in Toyota, uh, they call this the show. So if you're in the if you're in the uh, Toyota Executive and you, and you wind up in South Florida, it's District One. It's the very first one. We're in District yeah. One, and it's the the highest volume, the most aggressive. Yeah, it is the Wild West. Well, this will tell you something. They, uh, I, I hope I'm not violating some proprietary laws here, but. Uh, District 1, meaning South Florida, from from Palm Beach County all the way to Key West, Key West on the East Coast. The dealers down there are the, it's the number one, I believe, district in the United States. It is. The number two and number three volume Toyota dealers, Hollywood Toyota and Al Hendrickson Toyota in the USA, are right down yep. there in South Florida. Uh, and it's, uh, it's the, the, High pressure, uh, dishonest, unethical BS advertising that goes on in South Florida. The dealer fees, the hidden fees, and all the other crap that goes on. There's nothing like uh, South Florida for all the manufacturers. Yeah. You know, and beware when you buy a car in South Florida. Be careful in North Florida or anywhere in the country. But if you're coming to Dodge City, you better be ready. It's a tale of two cities. So you got South Southern California, which is really, really close. And you know what? They might even beat South Florida volume-wise, but the state has intervened and kept a put a cap on the dealer fees at seventy-five bucks yeah, or something yeah. like that. I mean, that's like that's like a, a monastery. Yeah. California is like a monastery. Yeah. It's Sodom and Gomorrah. That's why I laugh. Looking at no, South I, Florida. I hear LA dealers. You know, they they you know, like we're LA. You know, it's yeah. huge, and I just laugh. I go, you guys are nothing. Yeah, don't turn around <laughs> and look at South Florida. When you're leaving, you'll turn into a pillar of salt. Exactly. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you can refer to the monastery uh, in the 21st century. Yeah. I think the reputation has changed yeah. quite a bit. We're okay. all caught up. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we're all caught up. Okay. Hey, folks, uh, don't forget to read Earl's latest column, Attention Florida Car Dealers, uh, 2021 New Year's resolution. I read it, and it was quite entertaining and educational very very nice it's too bad we didn't get a chance to mention this article uh amid covid the well, average we, still, we might have a chance. car loan got four thousand dollars bigger yeah very interesting the new yeah. normal this last uh, uh I, I, I i've done this frequently the uh 2021 new year's resolutions 2021 i do this uh every year for the car dealers Knowing they don't pay any attention to me, uh, but it's uh, this this one here uh, kind of hit on the issues. You know, if you go to EarlOnCars.com and read the blog, it'll be coming out in uh, in the uh, Florida Weekly and the Hometown News. Um, but I'll give you the essence. I have uh, what I got five things here that I said. Let me see. Yeah, five. Uh, eliminate your hidden fees. I'm talking to the car dealers as help for it. This is a nutshell of my resolutions recommended for car dealers of Florida. Eliminate your hidden fees. Eliminate dealer installed accessories. Post your best lowest price on all the cars you offer for sale. Don't coerce or trick your customers into financing with you. 
if you feel you can't make a profit doing business ethically and honestly, sell your dealership. You know something? The dealership prices today are at all-time highs. If you want to sell out today, a car dealer can sell out today and get more money for his car dealership than ever. Sell out. If you don't want, if you're afraid to take a chance doing business honestly, sell out. But I, I, I really like that. That was one of my favorite columns. Attention Florida car dealers, 2021 new car resolutions. I like that. Uh, okay, now, getting to the mystery shopping report. Interesting mystery shopping report. And uh, uh, Roger Dean Chevrolet has been around longer than any car dealership I know under the same family ownership. Roger Dean passed away many years ago. We have a stadium named after him in Palm Beach County. But uh, Roger Dean's been around for a long, long time. Uh, and uh, to see him sell out uh, to uh, Maroney. Uh, and Maroney is originally the president of AutoNation. And the, uh, before that, he was uh, in business in South Florida with his uh, father, Al. Uh, I didn't know Al, but I knew Mike. And uh, they bought out Roger Dean Chevrolet. Kind of a historical thing. Probably means more to me than the average consumer because I've been the carpenters for so long. So, uh, December 17th, Roger Dean Chevrolet became Mike Maroney Chevrolet. Um, a lot, of, a lot of dealerships are changing hands here, by the way. Um, the dealership Advantage, Vantage Ford and Stewart changed hands. Uh, uh, what was the other? Uh, we had some dealerships. Arrigo. Arrigo changed one. hands. Mm -hmm. and, and last year we had uh, uh, some dealerships in Delray. Uh, Auto Nation's buying up uh, dealerships. Uh, a lot of things are happening. The transition of ownership is, is really accelerating, partly because of the high prices and the high profits that car dealers are making. So Al Maroney and his son Mike bought their family dealership operations of Florida in 1977. 20 years later, Al sold his nine stores to AutoNation. Mike Maroney continued on with AutoNation as his chief operating officer until 2015. You might remember they named the dealerships uh, uh, Maroney At instead first. of AutoNation at first, yeah. yeah. And then later AutoNation. So, if you bought them a car from Maroney, uh, it, was, it was likely an AutoNation store, and then they changed most of the stores back to AutoNation. Uh, anyway, uh, here we are. We're going to go back and see Roger Dean Chevrolet. We shopped recently. Uh, it was not a good shop. It was a bait-and-switch, and, switch. and uh, we uh, um, hadn't shopped them in two years, and they were strictly old school. and. Uh, we decided to go back because we got Maroney, who is a, a national figure. You see, he has automation. Uh, very, uh, he's an, he's a, a philanthropist. It donates a lot of money to Cleveland Clinic, and uh, respectable guy. And uh, automation typically runs above average, uh, honest, transparent dealerships compared to most other car dealers. So he's a spinoff from automation and. We wanted to see how Maroney Chevrolet would do. Uh, Patty Dean was a daughter, and, and uh, she originally went partners with uh, Maroney, and then just recently uh, he bought out the remaining interest from Patty Dean, so it's strictly Maroney now. Whenever a car dealership changes ownership, things happen. You, uh, 
two mentioned Arrigo. Uh, they, were, they were recently bought out by a, a very reputable family. Uh, and uh, we're seeing changes there and toward the positive. So it's good news for you car buyers out there as this trend of changing of ownership occurs. Uh, so we're investigating the all-new Mike Maroney. Uh, we were at that location with Agent Lightning uh, just over a month ago, and I just said earlier that they didn't do well. It was strictly bait and switch. We failed them, didn't we? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, we haven't been failing a lot of dealers recently. We we angst and we and, and we and we squirm, but we give them D's and D minuses, and you know we don't give good grades, but we give them a great enough, good enough to put on a recommended list. Otherwise, you have no place to buy a car. So uh, here we go, back in again after the failed Roger Dean Chevrolet, now Maroney Chevrolet, over Chubby Boulevard in West Palm Beach. Uh, Agent Lightning went in to see the dealership that cleaned up its act under the proprietorship of Mike Maroney. Based on the ad that attracted our attention below, it didn't look like it was going to happen. Uh, you, you just see these these ads, and uh, this, this one here is for a a 2021 Chevrolet Traverse LS, MSRP 3495, and a $9,207 discount. That's a huge discount. Mm -hmm. And the selling price they say is 24888. There's some fine print there, but I can't read it. But you know, this is the ad we went in on. And uh, when you see an ad, it's too good to be true. It's too good to be true. Here's the report. Speaking in the First person, if I were Agent Lightning, I brought my son along for this mission to Mike Maroney Chevrolet. We were greeted by a salesman named Michael. Before we could fully emerge from my car, he wore a mask. So that's a little, you know, when, when they when they rush the car, when there's the wolf pack out front and they're standing around, and before you can get out of the car, they're standing by the side of the car. That's a hint that it might be a little high pressure. Mm -hmm. Just a hint, not necessarily true. Michael got right to the point. He, he was wearing a mask, though. That's good. So let's give him the pluses where they earned the pluses. He's wearing a, a mask. Michael got right to the point, asked me why I was there. I showed him the ad for $9,000 off on a new 2021 Chevy Traverse. Michael dutifully pulled a notebook, pen out of his pocket, wrote down the price and some other information. Then he said he needed to check on it and left us there in the parking lot to wait. He returned in a few minutes and reported that this particular vehicle has been sold. It's no longer in our inventory. <laughs> so that's that's a negative vibration. Right Time to there. go. Yeah. That's when yeah. you should leave. <laughs> Car's gone. Car's gone. I asked him if it was the only one they had. Michael said it was the only one they had at that price. <laughs> so I'd almost prefer they lied and said that, yeah, that's... That's the only one we have. We don't have, I mean, but he admitted that they had other cars, the same car, but not the same price. Without pausing, he mentioned that the fine print disclosed that the offer was for a specific stock number. Now, I wrote an article you can see on EarlOnCars.com. It's called The Old Stock Number Trick, or at least I use that term, uh, stock number trick. Most people don't even know about stock numbers. I mean, we're dealers, so a stock number is how we account for our new and used car inventory. Each has a unique number, and it's a coded number with hashtags and 
numbers and letters and stuff. We have our first grade has come in for the shopping report. We what? <laughs> we have our first grade that's come in. We're 30 seconds into the shopping report. Jonathan Wellington gives him an F. He's not saying no more. <laughs> Slow down, Jonathan. So, it, it might get really good. You don't know. <laughs> so, so, the, so nobody knows what a stock number is except a dealer and a, sales, a salesman. So a dealer had a great idea one time, and many years ago he says, how do I get away with advertising a car and not having it when they come in so I can sell them another car at a higher price? Oh, I know. In the fine print, I'll put a stock number. I'll just put it, and here, here's a typical uh, stock number. Hashtag 12765B. Typical. I just made that up. But that's a typical stock number. It means something to the dealership. It tells them how long it's been in stock, if it's a newer used car. And, you know, it, it has information only that he understands. But you're reading, if you're reading the fine print, which you can't, but if you could read it, blow it up, you see, you see this uh, traverse. LS, and you'll have the price of 24888 and it'll be this obscure little number, hashtag 27571B. It doesn't say only one car at this price, which is what the law would require. Yeah. And if the law did require that, it would not be in fine print. But it's adding insult to entry to not even give the courtesy of the, the disclosure in the fine print but may but but hide it with a stock number. Stock number doesn't mean anything to the average person anyway. So he says he says that the fine print disclosed that the offer was for a specific stock number. It did not disclose it because he didn't know what that meant. Okay, I told him I didn't think that kind of thing should be allowed. I'm speaking for Agent Lightning. I consider it to be false advertising. Michael pushed back and argued that the offer is put online, Michael is a salesperson, at the beginning of the month, and the vehicle will eventually sell. The stock number is specified to let customers know it may sell and no longer be available. Michael. He's, he's so honest. Yeah. <laughs> Michael, the stock number doesn't tell anybody anything. You know what it means, but that, that you're not buying the car, Michael. I'm buying the car, and it doesn't tell me or any customer any of that. You know it, but I don't know it. Uh, it's almost like Michael believed himself. Michael then pivoted to the switch, here we go, and offered to show me another transverse that were available. He reminded me that these would be priced higher than the ad. Still, <laughs> yeah. painfully on honest. <laughs> uh, painfully, stupidly honest is the better way. <laughs> because it, it was painful and it was stupid. Because if he really believed that the stock number told a customer anything, then he's stupid. If he knew it didn't, then he's a liar. Uh, we went along with it, let him lead us back to the, his cubicle, his little, little bitty desk inside the showroom. I observed that all employees wore masks. Now there's another good one. Let's give, you know, thumbs up. Wear a mask, except for those I could see in private class offices. That's okay. Looking at the computer screen, Michael said he had three 2021 Traverse LSs in stock. He showed me a screen, and I picked up, uh, I picked the silver one with an MSRP of 34095 the same as the ad car. So here he has one, this exact same car, but he won't sell it at that price. So that's the, that's the purest definition of bait and switch. He might have just said, no, that was the bait car that's gone, and this is the switch car. 
And that would have been... <laughs> yeah, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised. That, that would have been honest. Uh, okay. He left to get the key. Michael came back with the key and led me and my son back outside. As we went over the vehicle, my son... I like this. Uh, Ancient Lightning's got a sharp son. My son helped set up our cover story by reminding me that Dad wants to be sure we don't agree to anything too far above the ad price and that he wants to see the numbers before signing in. And I'm sure Michael was listening to everything we said. So yeah, the kid's got talent. Mm -hmm. Maybe we could do... Exactly. How, how as, soon, as soon as he attains majority, the age of majority, we can send yeah. him out. <laughs> he'll, he'll be a great shopper when he gets uh, of age. Uh, we took a short test drive, went back to Michael's cubicle. As soon as we sat, he asked if I was a Costco member. Now... Let me uh, looked into it some remind more. everybody we're talking about Mike Marooney Chevrolet, Okeechobee Boulevard, West Palm Beach. Just bought out Roger Dean Chevrolet. That's who we're shopping. Okay, as soon as we said, he asked me if I was a Costco member. He said I could get an additional $1,000 off if I was. I said I was a Costco member, but he never asked to see my membership card. Now, I asked you some questions about this. Uh, during the show, being in, he's in charge of the mystery shop. Uh, Costco, uh, I, I was I was dubious that they were really a Costco member. Uh, Costco, in this case here, is offering a thousand dollars off of the uh, of this vehicle uh, if you're a Costco member. They do that for General Motors dealers, and I think for certain other dealers. So that was a thousand dollars off. I thought. I didn't know where that came from, but Stu found that particular ad for this particular Chevrolet from Costco. And I would have to assume that he is a Costco member. Uh, but he never asked to see my membership card. And that'll tell you something right there. You should, uh, Costco requires that you ask to see the Costco membership card. So take it for what it's worth. Michael asked for my driver's license, used it to fill in my personal info, and his computer, then he left to go get the numbers. He returned in five minutes with a worksheet that was still branded with a Roger Dean logo and name. That's sloppy, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's legal sloppy. Uh, Mike Maroney, uh, if you're listening, <laughs> or if someone knows Mike Maroney, uh, that's sloppy. You know, you yeah, don't want to use, you buy a dealership, ready, yeah. yeah. Liability purposes, you buy a dealership, you don't use the old documents with the old name of the old owner. It's just uh, not, not good. Michael asked for my driver, blah, 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 blah. Uh, the, the top line was 34295 For some strange reason, $200 more than MSRP. We don't know what that was. He showed me a savings of 2660, 2668 and a sale price of $31,626. He added $754 in government fees. Uh, it's, that's so inflated. There's, there's yeah. no, there, there are no, there's not 754 in government fees in Florida. So, so Sue's saying in terms of 6% sales tax and registration uh, license DMV charges, uh, it couldn't approach $754. Maybe 400 for new yeah. tag, yeah. 450 possibly. So they're hiding some more hidden fees, and that's what you do, right? You hide them. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't be called hidden fees if you didn't hide them. So they're hiding some more fees, and they're calling them government fees, which is a, a terrible violation yeah. because you, uh, they're not government fees. They're profit. And then they got one day to disclose that. We'll, we'll tell them about this big, fat, 
hidden fee, <laughs> but we won't tell them about the other ones. And the other ones, uh, Procduck. Yeah. <laughs> Nine, $995 for Procdoc. We're not sure what that means. Because it's similar to the experience that you get with a Procdoc. Exactly, a proc, uh, you know, proc, hmm. proctologist documentary uh, fees and sales tax. Then he subtracted a $2,000 rebate for an out-the-door price of $33,338. Boy, Mike Rooney, if you're listening, you're having a heart attack as we speak. Hmm. Michael then asked what he wanted, what, what I wanted to do, what we wanted to do, me, me and my son. I said, I need to go over the offer with my husband. He didn't seem bothered by this. Offered me his business card. I told him I'd be in touch. Here's the epilogue. Remember what I said about dealerships changing when they undergo new ownership? Well, maybe that's not the case here. Same bait and switch advertising with big unobtainable discounts. Similar sales experience. We had a difficult time getting a uh, true car price to compare to Agent Lightning's price. However, judging by the market averages for this model supplied by true car, we do not feel it was a very good deal. So there, there you have it. Uh, uh, in fairness to Mike Maroney and Mike Maroney Automotive USA, uh, they probably haven't had time to clean things up. They just took uh, total ownership on December 17th, and uh, you got a lot of employees at Roger Dean. And you got a culture that's been embedded for yeah. decades. Time and, to clean house. Yeah, and so, so you're going to have to. I would say the folks at Roger Dean, or Mike Maroney Chevrolet, uh, there's going to be a house cleaning coming up, or the, either that or there's going to be a mine transformation coming up. I just know that Mike Maroney. I know a little bit about him. I know him a little bit. We have a common friend, uh, Steve Moore. Some of you old timers remember Steve Moore. Chevrolet, uh, and uh, he was part of AutoNation also. Straight shooter, honest guy. Mike Maroney is a straight shooter, honest guy. Uh, and uh, I think you'll see this cleaned up. But right now, uh, I don't think it was cleaned up. And I think we need to take, take a vote and see how we did here. And, yeah, well, it's going to be easy. Yeah. We already well the first there's a bunch of F's came in so we yeah. had yeah. so we had John Jonathan Wellington give us uh, give him an F and then uh, Linda over on Facebook who's up freezing her buns up in Georgia <laughs> gave a really right after that another F and uh, I, I, you know what this is going to be my new my New Year's uh, resolution is I'm going to be not unfair but f fairly aggressive more aggressive in the grading and I'm going to agree it's an F I think that we've been too kind. With the uh, with the curve grading, yeah. So I'm giving an F. I'm agreeing with our listeners. Okay. Yeah, too kind for too long. Nancy, you want to go I, Yes, I do. I'm going to give uh, Mystery Shop of Mike Maroney Chevrolet an F. Failure, Rick. Got Guy Larrabee with a solid D. The only saving grace was the mask. Uh, Tom Stokel, grade F. Babalu Farb says, Maruni, spawn of Satan. Oh, no. <laughs> I think that one probably is an F. Uh, Mark from St. Louis, J for a joke. And Mark Ryan, F. Tom Gilliland, F. And for me, it's an F. Yeah, it's unanimous. I, uh, I'm like Stu. I hate to give out Fs. But in this case here, I say go to Schumacher Chevrolet. Uh, go to, uh, what's the Chevrolet dealer in Del Rey? Uh, is that automation? Greco? Does Greco have one? Uh, I wouldn't recommend that. I wouldn't recommend Greco, no. <laughs> I almost got carried away there. Yeah. Auto Nation uh, on Lake Worth Road. Isn't oh, that's that Chevrolet? Right, yeah, of course, yeah. 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 
Yeah, so you've got Automation Chevrolet, you've got Schumacher Chevrolet, stay away from Mike Maroney Chevrolet, used to be Roger Dean Chevrolet, but it's going to change. And I think, I think when it does change, I'm really going to make a drastic prediction here, when it does change, it's going to change for the better. I, I believe that they will evolve, the, Maroney, the new Maroney Chevrolet will evolve into the number one uh, Chevrolet dealer in this area to buy a car. I think it will happen, but it sure hasn't happened yet. Not yet. And uh, I, I go back to uh, my uh, comment I made earlier. Uh, 2021 is going to be so different from 2020 in terms of retailing. I think people are starting to really understand. Uh, in the Wall Street Journal today, I brought the article in. There was an article about, uh, let's stop the one I'm looking for. There it is right here. Yeah. Uh, got a picture of Carvana. And, and the headline is COVID has acted like a time machine. And they're saying Carvana, who is a used car, national used car uh, company, uh, they have convinced people that five years ago you'd say can't be done. It's okay to buy a used car sight unseen. People are buying cars online from Carvana sight unseen. And that's the way cars are going to be sold. And uh, new cars, used cars, and uh, if you're going to sell a car, sight unseen, you've got to be trusted. You have to be Amazon, you have to be Apple, you have to be, when you buy a product from a quality company today in the 21st century, you trust them. You can return anything you buy on Amazon or Apple, Costco, return it, they give you your money back. And you believe them and they're honest, they're transparent, that's the way I'm thinking the promised yeah. land. You remember how when, the, when online buying first came out? I mean, I honestly was nervous. I bought books from Amazon when it was a bookstore. When they started yeah. offering other stuff, I was a little, little uh, you know, hedgy, you know, sketchy. I'm like, yeah. what happens if I don't get my product? They've established trust over, over yeah. the last couple of decades. Yeah. Car dealers have got a long way to go. And they bake returns into their costs. And that's okay. And they sell the returns for less money. But to allow a person the right to return a product, you have to do that if you're gonna be an online. And if you don't do that, you're not gonna yeah. make it. Great so. advice. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us uh, this holiday season. We definitely enjoy your company. Uh, have a safe and uh, enjoyable weekend. And Happy New Year to everyone. We'll see you right back here see you next, next week. Year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>